This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Today we are continuing on our reading of letter number 22 on the futility of halfway measures, and we're going to be covering a few verses today from verse 3 to possibly about verse 7. And throughout these verses, there are some really interesting ideas that Seneca brings across, some of them even quite extreme, which we will dive into uh, as we read through. So I'm going to start reading this and we might stop along the way and see what we can take away from it. He says, quote, You must not only be present in the body, but watchful in mind, if you would avail yourself of the fleeting opportunity. Accordingly, look about you for the opportunity. If you see it, grasp it, and with all your energy and with all your strength devote yourself to this task, to rid yourself of those business duties. End quote. Okay, so here we see that Seneca is really continuing with this theme that we've seen throughout the past letters and the past verses, where he's trying to say to Lucilius or himself, listen, pull yourself away from the business duties, right? Get away from it, move toward a life of philosophy. And he's saying you must not only be present in the body, but watchful in mind if you would avail yourself of the fleeting opportunity. A beautiful way to think about any opportunity that we're looking for in life, right? And it's clear that Seneca is particularly talking about the opportunity that we have to grasp onto freedom, to actually find freedom of the soul, which is what so much of the Stoic uh, doctrine is trying to get us to see is that freedom lies there. It's waiting for us. But we actually have to pull ourselves away from uh, all of the things that are enslaving us in life. And we need to take hold of that freedom. And Seneca continues this thought uh, in his next verses, where he actually shares a pretty extreme opinion about this uh, moving towards freedom. You'll see here, he says, quote, Now listen carefully to the opinion which I shall offer. It is my opinion that you should withdraw either from that kind of existence or else from existence altogether. But I likewise maintain that you should take a gentle path, that you may loosen rather than cut the knot which you have bungled so badly in tying, provided that if there shall be no other way of loosening it, you may actually cut it. No man is so faint-hearted that he would rather hang in suspense forever than drop once for all. End quote. So as we can see here, Seneca has, as I said, that extreme view of this quest for freedom, which is that, you know, his opinion is that you should remove yourself from the distractions that are enslaving you, or you should remove yourself from life. And that's, 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 a, that's a wild idea that he gives us there. And even though it is an extreme view, I, I don't think that it should be taken lightly. You know, we should really investigate that thought and think about what he means by that and why he would have felt that way. Because certainly to the ancient Stoics, freedom was, was this 
very high order goal that we were all trying to move towards. And Seneca believed in the romantic idea that we should pursue this freedom even to the highest extremes, right? Meaning uh, even if it came down to, you know, somebody was trying to make you do something that you didn't believe was right, you could leave life right now and you would leave life with your freedom because you didn't do anything against your own will. Right. And so this is this is something that Seneca took very seriously. The Stoics took it very seriously. And we see this even in some examples that Seneca gives us. You know, one of my favorite stories that Seneca tells is of the young Spartan slave who was captured in wartime. And this Spartan slave, uh, you know, as soon as he was ordered to do his first uh, duty to the to the slave owner, uh, which was apparently to go fetch a bedpan, uh, he actually yelled out in his native tongue, I will not be a slave. And he ran against the wall and cracked his head and committed suicide right there and then. And Seneca tells us this story to demonstrate that some people are truly free right till the end, and they go out of life being free. And that was kind of a goal for the Stoics, was go out of life on your terms. Go out, live an honorable life, and die an honorable death. And it's important to note here as well that Seneca isn't saying, okay, you're involved in business duties, so you should just kill yourself. That's not what he's saying. Because he actually goes on to say that I would prefer that you take the gentle path, you know, ease out of this life. But all the while, know that if it comes to the point where you cannot make that decision, where you cannot pull yourself away from that life, where you are fully enslaved to it, then you should know that even then you have the freedom to leave life on your terms, right? And to not be a slave to those things. And if I can just play with this idea for a moment more, I I think it's important to recognize that this idea of pursuing freedom uh, at even the cost of your life, uh, it does not and it will not stand on its own as an idea, uh, right? Because it's a very weak idea on its own. But if you add it to the web of ideas that Seneca has discussed or or the matrix of of, of Stoic principles, right, you see that it fits in there uh, quite nicely because to the Stoics and to Seneca, and he wrote about this in previous letters, the most important thing is that you first learn what is good, what is bad, and what doesn't make a difference, right? Once you've got that sound understanding, then you can formulate your principles that you are going to live by in your life, and you should stick to those principles no matter where you are, no matter who you're around. You should be a person of principles, which means that your character is going to be sound, right? Which means that people will know what they can expect of you. People will know your values because you're living them, right? And if your principles are sound, and if you have that solid understanding of what is right and what is wrong, you might find yourself in a scenario like the Spartan slave, or like Cato, or like Seneca at the end of his life, or like Socrates, these great examples of people who had the right compass bearing, right? They they were aimed correctly. And when it came to a choice between being enslaved by a tyrant, right, or losing their life honorably they chose the latter. And so I think that this is where the principle of freedom till the end uh, really shines is when you first have that foundation of a solid ethical framework through which you're viewing your life. And man, you better be damn sure uh, (laughs) that your ethical framework is squeaky clean before you even consider the possibility of you taking your life because of a various 
form of enslavement in your life, right? It's 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 not something to take lightly, and that's why you know I'm I'm even afraid talking about this idea uh, because I don't think that my philosophical understanding is strong enough at this point uh, to to play around with these ideas. But I will say that I do find it interesting that the ultimate sage of Western culture, supposed to be found in in the story of Jesus Christ, is you know, it's the tale of a man who carried his cross to the top of a hill and died an honorable death, uh, and was supposed to be pure and squeaky clean right till the end, right? Even to the point where he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, what a story uh, that we all know and that we have told over and over and over again of this quest for ultimate freedom, right? And ultimate honor, which goes right till the end, not doing anything against your will, even if that means dying on a cross. It's just a, it's a, it's a complicated idea, but man, we tell that story over and over again. And Seneca's telling that story here. And Socrates was that story. And Cato was that story. You know, the Spartan slave, that was that story. Uh, But uh, as I said, you know, you have to have that ethical framework in place before this even becomes something that you consider. So anyway, I have rambled long enough and we're going to uh, keep on reading from Seneca. He says, quote, Meanwhile, and this is of first importance, do not hamper yourself. Be content with the business into which you have lowered yourself, or, as you prefer to have people think, have tumbled. There is no reason why you should be struggling on to something further. If you do, you will lose all grounds of excuse, and men will see that it was not a tumble. The usual explanation which men offer is wrong. I was compelled to do it. Suppose it was against my will. I had to do it. But no one is compelled to pursue prosperity at top speed. It means something to call a halt, even if one does not offer resistance, instead of pressing eagerly after favoring fortune. End quote. So here we see a continuation of the steps that Seneca is giving us to, let's say, remove yourself from the things that you are attached to. You know, he's talking specifically about uh, removing himself from public life or business duties, that sort of stuff, in order to seek philosophy. Let's just say that he's talking about removing ourselves from those things that we are deeply attached to that are keeping us uh, from pursuing what would be better. Uh, And so he's saying here, you know, firstly, earlier on, he mentioned that you don't have to go all the way immediately. You can ease your way out of this, right? So you can slowly start to back off until you're in safe harbor, as he has said before. And here he's saying, at least start by putting a halt on the things that you're currently attached to that are keeping you away from philosophy. Just put a halt on it. Maybe you don't have to leave immediately, uh, but do not fall into that trap of constantly seeking more uh, of these goods of fortune, right? And, And the reason why we don't do that is because you don't put your faith in something that can be given and taken right? And so Seneca is trying to get us back into safe harbor of philosophy, uh, you know, away from the stormy seas of pursuing those things that will ultimately not bring satisfaction and that will ultimately be like the waves of the ocean, right? Sometimes with us, sometimes not, as in up and down always. Uh, And so he's saying, come back to safe harbor, but at least stop 
adding new desires, new attachments, new responsibilities to your plate that are clearly keeping you from pursuing what would be better for you. And so you might think about this in your own life by asking yourself, what are the excuses that I'm holding on to that is keeping me from what would be much better for me? You know, what are the responsibilities that I'm adding to my plate almost as a distraction from what would be ultimately best for me? What am I attached to right now? And what am I adding to my attachments uh, that is clearly not what is best for me and is keeping me away from what would be best for me? Uh, these are very important questions to ask, and they're the questions that Seneca is asking us here. Uh, and he's he's really asking us to forget about those excuses, right, that we always have, which is, well, I'm compelled to do this, or, you know, uh, you know, I'm being made to do this against my will. No, you're not. No. Stop with that kind of talk uh, and focus on the freedom that you have at your fingertips, right, that you have available to you, and know that you can make the choice if you're willing to put up with the consequences uh, to move towards a life that would be clearly more meaningful and better for you. And so he goes on to say, quote, Shall you then be put out with me, if I not only come to advise you, but also call in others to advise you? Wiser heads than my own, men before whom I am wont to lay any problem upon which I am pondering. Read the letter of Epicurus, which appears on this matter. It is addressed to Idiomenius. The writer asks him to hasten as fast as he can, and beat a retreat before some stronger influence comes between and takes from him the liberty to withdraw. But he also adds that one should attempt nothing except at the time when it can be attempted suitably and seasonably. Then, when the long-sought occasion comes, let him be up and doing. Epicurus forbids us to doze when we are meditating escape. He bids us hope for a safe release from even the hardest trials, provided that we are not in too great a hurry before the time, nor too dilatory when the time arrives. End quote. So I'd like to go full circle here and revisit what I read from Seneca at the very start of this episode, where he says, You must not only be present in the body, but watchful in mind, if you would avail yourself of the fleeting opportunity. Accordingly, Look about you for the opportunity. If you see it, grasp it, and with all your energy and with all your strength, devote yourself to this task, to rid yourself of those business duties. Now, the reason I read that again is because I think that that is actually a representation of what he then brings in here uh, with Epicurus, which is tact. It's all about tact. You've got to pay attention in life. You've got to understand the opportunities you have to rid yourself of these attachments. And you've got to know when you're seeing that opportunity. And then when you see that opportunity, like Epicurus is saying here, you need to jump on it there and then. You need to prepare yourself to be ready in life, uh, to grasp onto the opportunities that present themselves to you in the time when it is best to do so. So I think that that's what's most important about what he's saying here from Epicurus is just having a kind of tactful approach to life where we, we're not just being too eager and we're not being uh, too slothful in our desire to uh, reach this point uh, of, of freedom, this point of philosophical freedom, this point of understanding ourselves, this point of a life of wisdom, right? Uh, so we want to kind of walk that middle way. And it's only really now that I'm talking about this that I'm seeing that 
really, this is another section of Seneca's writings where he's giving us a middle way approach to life because he's saying, look, Yes, remove yourself from those distractions that are keeping you from what would be way better for you, which in Seneca's case, he's he's arguing is the life of philosophy. Uh, But in order to do that, you don't have to remove yourself immediately. You can ease your way out of it or at least stop adding to your duties that are keeping you there. Uh, And on top of that, be very watchful, be very attentive to the situations and you will see an opportunity. And when you see an opportunity, you can take it. That's how you're going to do it, right? A careful, tactful approach. And so if I could sum up a few themes that I see running through this letter and previous letters as well, uh, and a lot of the themes that Seneca is discussing uh, in our previous episodes, uh, it's really just to pay attention to what are the things in your life that you are enslaved to and that are keeping you away from what would be much better for you and much more meaningful for you in your life, such as the path of philosophy that Seneca is describing here. And then once you know what those things are that you are kind of enslaved to that are keeping you uh, away from what would be better for you, then it's time to pay very careful attention to your life. Pay close attention, watch very closely, listen very closely, right? And, uh, and, and, and be mindful so that you are aware when there is an opportunity for you to uh, slowly remove yourself from those things that are enslaving you, right? Uh, and move towards a better life of things that would be better for you. It's a very careful approach that Seneca is taking here, but it's interesting because though he is taking a very careful approach, he ultimately has that view that if you're not willing to do this, right, uh, or at least if there are things that are keeping you there against your will truly, then you have that ultimate uh, way out of this to die an honorable death. It's very interesting, the the dynamics of, uh, of Seneca's thoughts here. Uh, and it's certainly something that I am going to continue to grapple with, uh, because I will admit that I, I am uh, I'm struggling a little bit with this letter to to fully dissect it and get the, the, the best possible understanding of it. Um, but uh, hopefully my ramblings in this episode have come a little little bit close uh, and we've got a bit of wisdom uh, to take away from these few verses. But anyway, let me know what you think. Do you have thoughts that you would like to add uh, to my own discussion of these few verses of Seneca's writings uh, or to any of these episodes? Please feel free to uh, to send me a message or comment below. Uh, I would love to know what you think. Perhaps there's something that I am missing here uh, that you might uh, have an insight into. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you next time.